Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. This is episode 165, and luckily enough, it is presented and brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing, where you can learn more about them at flyracing.com. Of course, we do have other fun sponsors that take care of us here at Seat Time. Uh, Kinda Tire USA, you can find out more about those guys at kindatire.com, and who they were, title sponsor of the the Sprint Enduro this past weekend over there in West Virginia. Full gas Sprint Enduro. The full gas Sprint Enduro, yes. That was put on by the Kinder. <laughs> where is it? On the stop. That's where it is. Full gas. Full gas. Full gas. I like it. And, of course, the fine folks over at Stillwell Performance. You can learn more about them at stillwellperformance.com. I did get my suspension in. You guys probably saw the little video that I posted up on the Instagrams. If not, you're more than welcome to check it out, at Woody B. Pierced. But I have not had a chance to ride the bike, unfortunately. We have had family this, family that, life this, life that going on. I'm actually going to see if there's a chance I can bring my bike with me to ride at the farm on Friday after work. But guess what? It's probably going to be raining. It's going to be raining so, because it's North Texas yeah. and it's springtime and, and all we get is luckily, luckily is we're getting year. water because right. the past what four years it's been dry as shit and the and the, then the summers suck. So it'd be nice to ride though. Eh, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. yeah, it'd be nice. It would. I agree. So obviously, Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, and Kinetire USA. Thank you very much for your support. This is Sea Time. We are the online show for the offer enthusiasts. If you enjoyed beer drinking, bench racing, chatting with your friends about how much better you are when they're not there to watch you at the races, this is most definitely the show for you. Because I sound like a fast racer, don't I? When I talk to you about what I did, but in reality, I'm not. And that's what it's all about. It's the perception of being a fast rider. Perception means a lot. Yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's important. It's intimidation factor, did, I think. It, it's Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Oh, we, let's just did... bring it on out. I like it. So <laughs> for those of you who have wondered, we did say it's the beer drinking bench racing show, but because of the fact that it is Happy Cinco de Mayo, we're having some really shitty margaritas that really I handmade. Really bad margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I did spend the last 30 minutes of uh, myself at work from about 4.30 to 5 figuring out which uh, – kind of homemade margarita setup I wanted to go with. Because in reality, you go get one of those margarita mixes, the amount of shit that's in that, that's anything natural, is just it's nothing. So I was like, I at least want to make some form of a natural margarita. And unfortunately, I picked the wrong one. Well, that shit does make it taste better. God, and bullshit. <laughs> there is some value in that. You know what's funny is that it's one of the things, he's like, we need some sugar. So I was like, oh, okay, well, how about some honey? The reason why I said honey is because in one of those ingredients or one of those recipes, they did use honey as the sweetener because of the fact that it has obviously less calories and all the other bullshit that goes along with, why I don't drink sugar. I just don't sugar. see honey as a good flavor for margarita. <laughs> I'm just, let's go try it sometime. <laughs> we'll try it next You next, are the tequila next connoisseur. <laughs> next drink, so. yeah, yeah, okay. So for month. those of you who are wondering why this gentleman is, is trying to, try, is doing such a fantastic job of keeping up with my chatter skills, this is Brian's story. Brian's story is, uh, was owner of a, of a, of a shop west of town. Luckily enough, he figured out, holy shit, Brian Pierce can't even buy motorcycle tubes in his part of town and, uh, opened up a new shop here in McKinney, Texas called Adventure Moto as well. Multiple, Time ISDE club rider. Never on the trophy team, though. Junior team once. Yeah, that's true. 
way yeah. back in the day. Yep, just many times club time, and very proud to go, and very excited to go every chance I get to go. Yep, and uh, it's just a, an indescribable thing. Once you get to go, it's something that's addictive, and you always want to go back. It's like getting a tattoo. Yeah, sort of. But Do you have a any lot tattoos? Different. I have one tattoo. So it's for you. It's nothing like getting a tattoo. Because if you have one yeah. tattoo, then it's nothing like getting a tattoo. I, I have a six days. A plan for a tattoo. So eventually there will be a six days tattoo. Why don't you just I'll get put one those every two time together. you go and then they... That's what just... we're going to get. We're going to get little stamps. Well, for all why haven't countries. you been doing it? What's the deal here? Um, procrastination. Um, pretty pretty sure it's it's just that. Attempting to live life. Yeah. Um, Obviously not to the fullest. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather ride than get a tattoo. And uh, there's not enough time to ride. Well, you're faster than me. So I think it's working for you. I'm... I try, I try. So, but uh, yours is personal issue. So, you know, you you need to ride more. One day I'll just stop sucking <laughs> at riding. Anyway, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I don't think you suck. <laughs> so, for those guys who <laughs> that, what's that? Yeah, I don't <laughs> suck at riding. Yeah, uh, you don't think that I suck much? Those are Friday and Saturday nights, folks. Or if you turn into our other show, Thursday nights. Uh, so, of course, we do have the chat room. TLK.io slash time is a way that you can kind of help direct the show. We're going to have Russell Bobbitt on here in a little bit. I did want to talk to, about, to Brian about his experience um, attending the Full Gas Sprint Enduro. We've had Jason Hooper on. We've had Caleb Russell. And we've chatted with them about the events that they've put on last year and earlier this year. But now that we've had a Texan, somebody I do like having on the show – a lot of experience with motorcycles and being able to tell you why you suck at them. It's going to be fun to be able to chat with him. So, of course, uh, jump in the chat room and help us direct that conversation once Bobby gets on here. And then I wanted a big shout-out to our friend Barry, a uh, dude that I met on the Rip to Cabo. Just randomly decided to donate some money to Seat Time, um, and I really, really appreciate that. So definitely got to give him a shout-out cool. for doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. Super cool. I agree. And uh, you forgot what you were supposed to bring. Camera. Yep. GoPro. Son of a bitch. Have to go get it tomorrow. Um, some of the shit that just happened. Obviously, the ISDE East qualifier was this past weekend in West Virginia. That was the uh, round two of the full gas sprint enduro. National Heron Hound round five happened in Jericho, Utah, where we saw Ricky Brabeck get another win, Ramirez and Sutherland in third. And then I saw many, many other racers doing lots of local racing all over the place. A lot of the big names that you would see, like the Chris Box, Chris Douglas's, Stuart Baylor's of that nature out and about doing different types of racing. Um, and we saw a lot of guys at the Sprint Enduro. So before I continue to try to talk too much about my margarita, it being Cinco de Mayo and all the other awesome shit that is going on in the world, how are you doing? I'm good. Are you sore? I'm, I'm sore. Yeah, I'm sore, and I'm and I'm still tired. Um, I put in a, a, a pretty poor uh, amount of prep getting ready for Sprint Enduro. <laughs> Zero? Because it <laughs> didn't sound really hard doing, uh, you know, 25, 30 miles each day sounded pretty easy for someone that's done six days a bunch of times and right. a whole bunch of other stuff. And and uh, surprisingly uh, intense and uh, ass-whipping of a, of a race when you're not prepared. Yeah, I bet. So, <laughs> and, and from here in North Texas, you had, what, a 17-hour drive to get to West Virginia? Uh, it took us like 19 hours because okay. of some traffic issues to get there. And, but, you know, uh, probably too many poop stops. Grab some almonds yeah, here and there, a couple I had of coffees. A, my driving partner had a small bladder, so that, that really, really <laughs> I always down. tell people, I have a small bladder, but if you're willing to stop and get me a Gatorade with a wide model bottle container or wide mouth container, 
We yeah, I wasn't, wasn't, I'm, I wasn't down with that. <laughs> like, you hold it, I'll pee in it. <laughs> no, I wasn't down with that concept. So, but no, and but the Sprinadero, the whole concept was really cool. Was really exciting to me. Uh, my buddy Travis Chris that went with us, uh, he's on the board of directors for uh, Texas Enduros. He was really curious to see what it was like. Um, it's a great concept. You can do it on a small property. Um, so, you I mean, you can do it on the size property. You do a, a normal cross country or hair scramble race. Um, but it's nothing like that. It's, it's still like you're racing an enduro. You just don't have the transfer sections. Um, and it, it was, it, it almost, I, I felt the next day almost more like I did, uh, a big motocross race okay. than I did an enduro. Um, because the, 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 the short tests are so intense make it so much more intense yeah. yeah that's what we've been hearing a lot yeah. and then we ran the same just like at six days you ran this it was a bunch of fast guys running the same test over and over uh and so fast guys on the throttle hard on the brakes hard tend to tear up the dirt a lot yeah and then it rained uh, apparently all day thursday and uh and thursday night and friday morning so the the dirt was prepped by god you know, I mean, it was brownie dirt. It was pretty, pretty epic. Yeah. So, and epic dirt, of course, tears up even more. Yes, it gets indeed. rougher. So, uh, uh, but anyway, super cool format. Excited. Uh, I hope uh, to see more of this. I hope to see this series grow. Um, I think the people putting it on are doing a good job. I, I think they're still learning as they're going yeah. uh, because the circuit's pretty new, but uh, but they're doing really well. And, uh, and they put a lot of effort into it, uh, you know, had two different kinds of tests. They, they, there were only two tests there. There was a cross test, which is what they're called at six days. We here in the U S we call them grass tracks, right. but in Europe they call them cross tests. And a lot of times they can include uh, a part of a motocross track or all of a moto track. Um, but traditionally it's just a grass track okay. and the guys laid out a, uh, an awesome, you know, grass track on top of it, of a couple of rolling Hills. Uh, I think it was only about two and a half miles long, but still was, was, you know, had every different shape of turn that you could have. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and because it was up on the hill and out in the sun, it actually dried out. And so it was, it was brownie batter for a while, but then dried out. And but it, so it was literally different every time you went into it. Nice. Um, and you it, rode. We were saying they did the two tests. We're talking about the cross test now, but you actually rode two tests four times each day, and then we did them backwards the next and then, day. Yeah, that, and then and Sunday it? we did them backwards. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I think the the common perception is if you suddenly go backwards on one of these tracks, it's going to be awkward for some reason. And uh, that's not always true. I have done tracks backwards at six days before, and uh, sometimes they're awkward and sometimes they're not. And the the cross test um, and the enduro test turned around backwards actually went faster than they did the direction they had us Hmm. running them the first day. Um, so it, it wasn't, and that's that could be uh, so many different things. Maybe the way it was laid out, just you know, the way that it was laid, you know, the way that the turns were laid out, the way that the berms built up, the fact lack of braking bumps, too many braking bumps, so people went wider, right? All kinds of weird shit that, could yeah, be. just angles coming into corners and and line of sight. Um, when you're running a grass track, you're trying to look as far ahead as possible. You're trying to line up your turns. So you exit a turn in the right spot to be able to enter the next turn correctly to carry a nice arc everywhere. And uh, so if you can see a little farther ahead, 
Um, and I see the same thing. There's a road race track here in Texas that the local clubs uh, race two directions. Mm-hmm. In one direction, uh, you can see all the corners coming. In the other direction, all the corners are blind. Mm. And it's the same can be the same way with a grass track or uh, something like that. And so if you can obviously see where you're, where you're going when you see farther away, you can your your mind naturally lets you push the limits a little bit more and and carry more speed in. Yeah, you're uh, like, uh, I can't see anything. Full gas, bro. Yeah. Full gas. <laughs> yeah, and once you hit the senior class, it, 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 that full gas rolls off real quick when uh, when you can't see where you're going. Um, so uh, somebody was asking, like, what lengthwise to complete each test-ish. So if you did the cross tests, you know, about like that, and then the enduro test, how long do you think that would have those were kind of taking everybody. The uh, the cross test, most people were running it in the five minute range. So you're, that's a good little test, like like especially Ru- for sprinting. Russ, who who should be joining us later, and uh, Caleb and and Thad Duvall and and uh, you know Butrick and and some of those other guys, they were they were running them in the low five minutes, uh, around five tens, and uh, but in in the you know and then there was quite a range, and you're you're. A riders that were like rookie A riders were probably running in the high five minute range in the five right. fifties and whatnot, uh, but most everybody was in the five minute range on the cross test, and then the enduro test was about twice that long, mm. um, and the enduro test was exactly what you would expect to see in an enduro test if you were running a traditional enduro. Um, it had a little grass track in and a little grass track out, but you went into the woods. Lots of elevation up and down. Um, you got into a few spots with uh, a little bit of tight trees, but not a lot. Uh, most of it you could have rode a four-wheeler through. <laughs> okay. um, there were spots where they got down in, down into some bottoms, and uh, due to the moisture that week, um, the ground was really spongy, right. and the bikes were really tearing it up and roots were coming out. Um, there were a couple of uphills that were really soft that ended up with a, a two-foot-deep rut you know, for a hundred feet all the way up the hill, winding back and forth with roots. And, Is you like dog paddling? Yeah, you literally were dog paddling. <laughs> you know, you were dog paddling and your butt was trying to slide off the seat and you're trying to go fast and, and uh, you know, and you're uh, the only way you can stay on the bike is holding with your arms and yeah. you get to the top of these hills and you're you're totally uh, gassed. Yeah, your, your hands are just <laughs> noodles and you're like, okay, I know there's hands down there somewhere, but I can't feel them. Time to hold uh, on with my knees. <laughs> oh, so, those are done too. Shit. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it was uh, you know, typical enduro terrain, but the tests being as short as they were, um, just the intensity level was extremely, extremely high. So, I mean, uh, everybody's pulling the trigger out of every corner. Everybody's, I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's just not your traditional enduro pace. It's, it's full sprint. Everybody knows the tests are short, so they are pulling the trigger as hard as they can out of every turn. Right on. So it's, uh, it's a very intense, uh, it was, it was exciting and it was fun and, and, uh, they fire off a rider every 15 seconds in both the cross test and the enduro test. And uh, they, what they would do, they, they started us all by class. And then after the first two tests, they rearranged us by overall time uh, based on how we did in the first two tests. And so at that point, um, there was a whole lot less passing going on because you were taking off in order of, of speed to that point. Which is good. You really don't want to catch or be caught. Right. Because when you get caught, um, you lose time 
getting out of the way. When you catch somebody, you lose time waiting for them to get out of the right. way. So you really want to find a happy spot where you can charge hard and hopefully make up ground on the guy in front of you, but you don't actually want to catch him because right. it's going to cost you time. Yep. So no, That makes a lot of sense. And that's one of the things I don't think a lot of people pay attention to is what they're going to get when they talk about the fact that you know, you're know you kind of trying to find that happy medium in the lineup to make sure that yeah. you're... Absolutely. You know, you're, you're going fast, but it's that yeah. fast that doesn't let you catch anybody or be caught kind of fast. Right. And, and due to now, my... It does because you're that much faster, pass him. But. Yeah. Right. You Hopefully, you want you always want to catch the guy in front of you and pass him, but it's, it's not always uh, not always going to happen. Right. Right. But uh, anyway, you're, you know, I've done a whole bunch of six days, and I've, I've just, over the years, I've always been better at cross tests than enduro tests. And, uh, anyway, I would, I would basically, uh, pick riders each time that I knew I would pick a rider to go in front of me that I knew I wouldn't catch every time. Um, and I would try to chase him and make up ground on him, but I would typically pick a rider I knew I wouldn't catch. So I wouldn't have to lose time waiting for him to move out of the way and and try to pass him. Um, and, and you, you do a lot of qualifiers and, and, uh, you kind of learn who over the years you learn who's who and learn who's good at what. And I would follow a different guy into the cross tests each time than I would follow into the enduro tests. So how many times have you passed Russell Bobbitt, you know, in these tests? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to ride, uh, with, with Russ. So, uh, so he's not Russ, somebody you would have, you would have jumped yeah, in front yeah, of and yeah. be like, I buddy, was, I'm going in front I'm of you. I'm pretty sure I would follow Russ every time. Yeah. I, I pretty feel pretty solid about yeah. that one. <laughs> So, uh, Russ, uh, w- w- what about you? If you felt like you might be off your game one day, do you think you'd, you'd just like you know gracefully be like, "It's okay, Mister Story," you know, age before beauty? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, R- Russ was uh, Russ was pretty much taken off top top two or three uh, all weekend long. So he he spent a whole bunch of time chasing Caleb this weekend. That's what it sounded like. Well, dude, Mr. Russell Bobbitt, welcome to the show. I have to just ask because it's been a long time. How have you been, dude? I've been really good, dude. I appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, things have been going great here. I've just uh, been doing pretty well at the races recently and having some fun in the kind of weekends in between the races and doing that kind of stuff. So uh, pretty happy at the moment. Wicked. Yeah, I know. It's, we haven't really had a chance to catch up, unfortunately. You know, I remember last year we were super excited to see the new uh, Husqvarna off-road team, see how that was going to kind of evolve. You know, you, Unfortunately, that first National Enduro, you came out there and break your patella. That's one thing we haven't really had a chance to talk about, so I kind of want to touch just on that recovery, what that took. You know, And then you did really good at the end of last year when you did get a chance to come back. I think it was a sixth at the second-to-last National Enduro, and then you won Indiana. So I mean, that had, had to have had been a, a pretty lot of... solid win two weeks ago too. Oh, well, yeah, and then we come into 2015, and he's obviously kicking ass, you know. But then we get on the KTM's, and there's a lot of switching and stuff like that. So I mean, that patella thing—it's just kind of like, oh, I broke my kneecap, bummer. But I mean, that's a pretty serious deal, right? Yeah, it was uh, definitely my biggest injury I've ever had. It took the longest to come back from, as and I guess compared to any of the other injuries I've had, and. It not only just shattered my kneecap, but I guess when you do that, it also it severed uh, my quad tendon. So that is completely detached, and they have to actually you know pull that back down and reconnect it, and you start all over. And 
have to, you know, do the physical therapy to regain that muscle size and strength again. So just that a lot, that was a lot more of the process than the actual bone healing. Man. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, uh, the spark kind of the sports performance and rehabilitation center that I worked at uh-huh. in Athens, they've done an amazing job with me just helping me get back to, you know, the strength. And that's how I could rebound at the end of last year and do so well. You know, we put in the correct amount of work and time and, uh, I felt confident. And once I kind of did that first race and uh big buck and I felt kind of things out a little bit, it got six there and. I was pretty happy with that. You know, I felt like I rode a little conservative. And then at the final round in Indiana, you know, things uh, were clicking again. And, uh, yeah, everything worked out well. Got the win. Yeah, no, it, it's, it was super shitty, obviously, for you to, to see that. It, for me to watch you get that injury, I was so bummed. But what's crazy is, you know, I really thought that you were going to be a Husky rider again for 2015, and it seemed like maybe there were other people that thought that too, and you kind of come all the, it seemed like the press release out of nowhere, bam, you know, you're going to be a KTM rider for 2015. Was that, what? when did all that come about for you? Um, and and did, was that, you know, surprise? Was it, you know, pretty much the plan from the beginning? Talk us a little bit through that. Yeah, so uh, kind of, it definitely wasn't in the works long. I mean, just the way things were playing out between uh, some of the riders on both the Husqvarna and the KTM team and kind of where I was at. That and what they were looking for to fill. Um, it just worked out that uh, kind of, Grant was going to be leaving KTM and going to Yamaha, and then uh, some, you know, Husqvarna was growing as a company as well, so they were looking to take on, you know, another, you know, some more riders with, uh, you know, some of the sponsors for their team that, you know, played a little bit of a role in it as well. And then KTM, um, you know, I think they just, uh, they were pumped to have me back on as a, you know, uh, to contest the Enduro series, they, you know, definitely believe me and, uh, believe in me and have, a I have a strong history with KTM at heart as the company. So, uh, you know, I'm, you know, definitely happy to be back kind of at the roots where I began my professional career and, um, yeah, I'm stoked with the way things are going with the team now. Yeah. Um, now, Brian, you've ridden – have you guys ridden any of the six days together? I know you said you started out junior trophy team, but he might have been still hanging out inside of his father at that point in his life. He, he was on trophy team uh, um, one or more of the years that, that I was a, okay. a, a club rider on the team. So, yeah, we've been on the team a couple of times So you together. have good rapport with the Bobbitt? You think that you and yeah, you guys are he, – Yeah, he's, he's a very, very good good dude. So Yeah, no, that's, uh, I would agree. Nice. It's pretty neat seeing him back on KTM, isn't it? Like, I, I agree with what he's saying that it's neat to be back where he started, got his roots, all that kinds of stuff, because it looks normal. Like the husky colors and Well, the stuff only thing was, that doesn't look normal to uh-oh. me when I look at Russ on a KTM. I know what you're going to say. It's, I know. It's, it's, it's the, three, <laughs> the, three, the, the 350, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's different. Uh, you know, being on the four-stroke and, you know, off of the two-stroke, it's it's a big change, you know, and I, I noticeably ride a little bit different. And... uh Really, 
gotta say though, I'm loving the 350. Sometimes I do kind of miss my two stroke. You know, definitely there's times where I go out and ride my 150 here at the house and just have to swing off of it. So, uh, but I, I love the bike that I'm on now. I mean, I feel like it's, it's super competitive. I mean, that's the reason I'm riding it. It's, it's the Goldilocks bike. It does everything well. It's yeah. not too much and not too little. The 350 does it all good. Yeah. I just purchased a 2015 350XC from Brian. Uh, Brian shop here at Venture Moto and had been riding the 300XCs for five years. Uh, yeah, because yeah. about five years. And, uh, yeah, so far, one ride on the bike, unfortunately, just because of rain and family and life. But I was pleasantly surprised that one weekend that I got to ride the bike how how well I responded to it. Like, just and had a lot of fun riding it. So I look forward to one day being able to ride it a second time. We'll see. What, what do you think the the three fifty does does better with with your riding style? Ooh, um, I mean, what I noticed just straight away when I hopped on a three fifty just to ride one for the first time was just how well it, they stay planted. You know, I think you know coming out of corners and once you get on the gas, the the amount of traction it gives you and the confidence in accelerating to get to that next point, you stay in a straighter line. And I just I was pretty much uh, just blown away with how comfortable I felt on a stock 350 when I got on it. I was like, the power is amazing. You know, the suspension was good. I thought everything as a package like just worked almost just better, like out of the box, like the way the bike actually handled and everything, like as a whole package the way it handled and cornered and it just everything seemed to be much smoother versus that kind of uh, twitchy kind of two-stroke feel that you will get from it being so nimble and everything. So I guess what you asked is how it kind of affects my riding style is I sit more in the bike versus on top of the two-stroke and really controlling it as much. Like I have to kind of be at one with it more so <laughs> <laughs> to, to me the the four stroke feels less hectic than the two stroke does hmm. in, okay. in almost every way i think yes. that's a simple way to put it i know? can tell you it sits the same in my garage because oh. i've only ridden it once so yeah one day i'll be able to have more more opinions on that motorcycle personal issues again. yeah oh i know I'm, I'm not making excuses it's just a fact of life and it sucks but hey right. hey are the sprint enduros in your contract with ktm or is that your choice to go do those this the sprint enduros were my secondary series this year yep very cool. okay so they're so so you and charles are at, at all of them huh We'll be at every single one this year, definitely. Awesome. Okay. That's wicked. Yeah. That's wicked. That's That right there should say that with it being in its first full season, how much that series is going to grow. If that's in, in his official KTM contract over something like the OMAs. Absolutely. When you when you see guys like Russell and, and Caleb and, and uh, you know, and, and – uh, their guys uh, Tanner and Charles there with the truck, um, you know it 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 uh, you know it just adds a little bit more prestige to the, the yeah. event when you see factory KTM supporting uh, a series like that. Um, and it and when you roll in, it it feels like and you see the setup and you see the banners and you see the the big Kenda tire and everything. 
uh, it, it looks good. I mean, the, the pictures I posted on Facebook got, uh, you know, got a great reaction. Um, it, it looks, uh, it's real deal. And the way they're running the thing is, is they're doing really well. Um, you know, the guys running it were listening to the riders and constantly asking. I'd never been to one before, but he knew I'd been to a lot of six days. Right. So Jason was asking me, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, and, uh, you know, and it, I, I appreciate it when promoters are, are curious and they want to hear what we've seen. And, and, uh, Russ, I don't know what you thought, but d- looking at the cross test, the thing that jumped out at me at the cross test was, yes, it was a great grass track. The only difference I really saw in it and a European, uh, six days grass track is it seemed like it was a little slower and had a lot of tight, like 180 corners where it was hard breaking in, hard acceleration out. I, tr- what I seem to remember at six days is more a little bit higher speed and more sweeping turns, carrying momentum around big, fast turns. Did did that jump out at you at all? Did we lose him? He's thinking about it. Oh, we lost oh, him. Oh, we lost him. Well, well, uh, him. That's interesting, though. So we'll see if we can get him back really quick. But so you're saying that, that those m- little bit tighter sections – yeah, the, are, the, are not traditional in the, Europe. The the, cra- the the cross test. I mean, it was epic fun. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was an absolute blast to run. Um, but when just thinking about the the cross test itself and how it uh, compared to most of what I had seen in Europe, is it was a little bit little bit tighter and a lot more tight turns so you would you would hard break into a turn and it would be a 180 or um just a really tight turn of some and when i say tight i mean a, a tight degree turn right i yeah, mean yeah. It, you could have drove a car through it it wasn't you right. know, narrow it's not that they were like let's just yeah, make it wasn't this narrow. Just- <laughs> um, but it was a very sharp turn um which also would create hard acceleration zone coming out of and typically, when you watch the Euros layout tracks, they they have a little bit more sweeping, and there will still be some 180 turns, but not that many of them. Right. Uh, more more sweeping turns, more carrying momentum, more like fourth gear sweepers, where you're you're trying to figure out where the edge is as you're on the gas going around this fourth gear sweeper. Um, and and this one was more accelerate really hard. Um, and, it, and it was tricky, though, because there were a lot of rolling hills, and so it might be off-camber, but you'd be breaking hard into a turn, making another tight 180, accelerating really hard, breaking hard into a tight turn, accelerating really hard. Right. Uh, there weren't a lot of turns where you were trying to figure out how hard you could push around a, a high-speed sweeper type deal. And, and you see a lot of that in Europe, where you'll, you'll be carrying lots of momentum like that. Well, yeah, when we lost you there, Bob, that's kind of one of the things that Brian was wondering what you thought about some of that. And obviously, it's not a negative or anything like that. No, obviously, it's still fun tons track. of fun. And it's almost just differentiated a little bit, too, from the European style. But maybe over there, you know, they said that you might be carrying more momentum. And a lot of the turns probably are going to be more sweeping style where there's going to be less it, it breaking It seemed like in a little less... bit slower grass track than what we typically run in Europe at a six days. It seems like at six days we'll, we'll be, you know, a gear higher than we were in that grass track. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from for that. I mean, they're, you know, thinking back to several grass tracks that have been at six days. I mean, I feel like they have a lot more room to work with and generally a lot more people working the events as well so That's true. i mean uh you know i think jason working with what he is this first year uh you know pounding 
3,000 additional stakes. I think he did at this race. I mean, he's doing a great amount of work. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it so, was super fun grass track. I was just, oh, he, yeah, he asked yeah. me what was different about it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah no. um, I'm not, not saying that that's the reason that, you know, they are what they are to get kind of more mileage out of the tests or something. But, um, I agree with you. I mean, there's some tests I remember, you know, six days where you're in a corner for, you know, 30 seconds, it feels like one of those huge escargos in Germany or something. Right. And it's just like a berm that goes for like, I mean, seriously, it feels like a quarter mile. You're just turning right. <laughs> <laughs> um there yeah they're they're super fast over there but then there's also you know tight chicane stuff like i like how he's done the kind of start and finishes of them how there's some of those really annoying tight 90s and you know where you want to smash your hand on all the stakes at the end because uh, that's pretty <laughs> traditional <laughs> and, uh but um there i I guess there are those higher speed grass tracks where it is all about carrying momentum versus the stop and go a little bit more. Right. Was was the enduro test at this one, was it pretty representative of what you've seen at the enduro tests at the other uh, Kenda full gas sprint enduros? Um, yeah, I would say so. Uh, it's, you know, roughly a skid steer wide, you know, kind of running some forest road kind of speed stuff and then, uh, he even threw in a little bit of single track, so uh, that was that was a nice mix of things, and I feel like it is uh, pretty much like in a world enduro style enduro test. Uh, this one, particularly with the elevation and everything, it reminded me a lot of some of the enduro tests. Like even when I did the six days in Slovakia, there were kind of those places that were super dark and uh super dark dirt and just really rough kind of gncc like style sections and uh so i felt like it was appropriate it was it was pretty close to what me and you ran in germany as well we ran some stuff that was real similar to that um and in just the the roots coming up out of the 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 uh the spongy soil and and it and when, on Saturday, the direction we went, some of those uphills really got some some good ruts all the way up them. So it, it got pretty gnarly in spots. It did. It definitely got rough. I mean, I thought the Enduro test was much rougher the first day that we did it. Just with the way the hills were laid out and those kind of rutted hills were more difficult going up them that direction. Where on the second day when we flipped them around backwards, it was. I thought it kind of just made it a little bit more manageable in some in some sections well, for my um poorly trained self um it was much easier on sunday getting to go down those hills instead of having to hang on going up them uh so yeah, yeah i thought the whole thing flowed a lot better on sunday and, and took a lot less effort so i think i could go full speed maybe two-thirds of the way through the test on sunday versus half the way through the test on saturday <laughs> is that what sean would say too <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. He's about two-thirds of the way into it, and he's ready to be out of there. (laughs) Son of a... Uh, Well, okay, so, Russ, one of the questions I was thinking about while we were talking about this is what Brian was talking about earlier on. Is he, you know, 25, 30 miles a day. Numbers-wise, from some of the Enduros that you've done in the past, I've done in the past, and we know he's done in the past, uh, that doesn't sound like a lot of mileage. And it doesn't sound like something that you're going to get done with at the end of the day and just be exhausted or totally spent or just like, holy shit, I've been going really fast all day. 
But tell us what you think at the end of a day like that. A professional like yourself, well, we know is in shape. We know we can ride a dirt bike extremely fast. Now, how, how does someone like yourself feel at the end of those 25, 30 miles? I mean, uh, in regards to kind of like physically, it's, you know, you still feel like you've done something. I mean, it's, you've, you know, you're riding at that top sprint level, so you're definitely going to fatigue some. And with the amount that we did on the first day, eight tests, you know, by the end of that, I mean, especially kind of as it's drugged throughout the day, it's, it's wearing, you know, I think as much or more mentally on you than what it is physically because each time you're going into the test, you're thinking where you can improve upon the time that you did it before, how to go faster, and how to stay mistake-free as much as possible. So, you know, you're thinking that constantly. You're running the different corners through your minds or through your mind and just uh, it's kind of like a constant grind all day of thinking what you can do better. At least it is. That's what I'm doing. And then uh, physically, you know, it's not that much duration, so you're not going to be completely taxed, you know, like you would more so at a GNCC or at a full mileage enduro. But right. um, the intensity is brought up a level, so it's like intervals, you know, it's like a spikes, and so you still feel it. You you definitely, you know, know you did something. What what kind of heart rate you think you're hitting in those those sprint tests? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it would be, you know, you know, upper, you know, 180s, you know, 190. It could when I almost went over the bars. You know, <laughs> I'm definitely, you know, I think pegged out sometimes. But in um, the same sense, part of it's kind of keeping yourself calm. Like on the grass track, I don't feel like it's as high because you have to still ride in a conservative manner you know to link up your corners and so um i think it kind of varies the enduro test i would say for sure i have a higher average the 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 grass track also their the level of grip wasn't quite as good and so um it being slick you you obviously can't have quite as much intensity or you'll you'll be making mistakes and so mm, yeah. you, you really have to the 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 cross test you're really trying to plan things out and trying to stay hooked up um versus the enduro test it was it was true in intensity i mean you were you were maxed out pretty quick so it sounds so awesome now granted that's so, kind of like a dumb thing to say but it's one of those deals where with what they've done, just like with J Day, they did a really great job marketing wise. The videos they put out and what they, what people are saying about the events, they make you want to go ride them. And it's the same thing that's happening now with the full gas, full gas sprint enduros. Is it's the the footage that they've put out and what people that have have come on the show before you, Bob, it and what you're saying now and what obviously you guys, you and Travis Christ are saying, it's creating that desire. You you want to go experience this because we as riders are always like, oh, that's what I. It's those 10 miles I get when I go to Munster that are like what he's talking about. I want that all the time where it's like, oh, if I can get that for 25, 30 miles on two days. Oh, like I, I really, really enjoyed the event. And I, I think that, uh, that, that people, if anybody's skeptical about this in any way, they need to clear their mind and they need to go try one of these things. This is a really enjoyable event. 
Um, physically, I felt more like I had gone to a motocross race afterwards. I didn't have the hard impacts like of a big, you know, jumps or anything like that on my my joints. I would because I would jump anything. But just as far as like uh, my forearms and my hands and 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 it it felt like more like I had gone to a motocross and run two or three classes and and had been you know doing short sprints like that, like right. you would go do at a motocross race. But but just in, enjoyable. Um, the the guy did a great job laying out the tests. He he went out and did some maintenance overnight before he turned them around, and uh, you know I mean we had mud holes, we had rocky rooty sections, we had uphills, we had downhills, and it was everything you'd see in enduro. Um, it, it was traditional enduro terrain. It did have some fire road type stuff in the enduro test as well, so it had a variety. But but man, it was just a lot of fun and a great variety and and. Uh, you know, I think this is something we're going to see a lot more of here in here in America. God, oh, well, now, uh, now you're going to be doing the rest of this series, and I've, we know you're doing the National Enduro Circuit as well. You've had obviously some really good successes the Enduro this year. Um, kind of, kind of take us through what your plans are for that. I mean, obviously, do the best you can, but at the same time, you you probably have some kind of you know, schedule that you're sticking to, the way that you're training, the way you're mentally trying to stay on top of yourself to come into the game, you know, with that same momentum that you've been carrying through from the past round. Like, what, what does all that kind of go through in your head? So we could think about it on a peon level. I mean, <laughs> you know, like everyone says, they just want to take it one race at a time. And, uh, I mean, that's... That's the best approach. I mean, really, right now, my next race is Missouri, and I'm looking forward to going there. Uh, I've had, you know, good rides there and uh, done ISD qualifiers there before, actually, and uh, it's a super fun place, and that's, you know, what I look to do. I look to do well there and, uh, you know, try and go win another race. That's, you know, my main priority and uh you know stay in the title contention and uh you know from that you know we go to the next race i don't even know what it is like <laughs> i couldn't tell you what the next race is after that because that's i don't know that's kind of how i work but just go race the race and uh just do the best i can that's that's what i try to do do you change what you train on and the the areas you practice at based on where you know you're going racing next time Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even for sprint duros, I have some different kind of courses and layouts around my house and different uh, kind of special tests that I have set up that I'll go and ride beforehand in Missouri. So I know it's, you know, predominantly single track, you know, kind of a little bit rocky and good clay and some stuff like that. And I'll find similar terrain and go out and ride on that as much as possible and have my enduro set up and uh you know do the kind of riding i think that's as similar as possible and that'll that helps me you know feel more prepared leading into the weekend race do you have a different bike setup that you run for the sprint enduros than you do for the the traditional national enduros i have a little bit different fork setting um and just some clicker changes on my shock but the fork itself is kind of my GNCC and faster setting. It's a little bit stiffer uh, on the internal side, just uh, just because you're more aggressive and some of the bumps get you know bigger and you're carrying a lot more speed than what you are really at a single track style enduro. 
Brian, I have to ask, though, when was the last time you weren't a little bit stiffer on the internal side? <laughs> I'm pretty much always there. Yeah, you're like, hey, I'm internal. It's stiff, bro. It's stiff. <laughs> uh, no, I like heard that, and my insides were like... <laughs> what, once you turn 40... When you go, Anytime it's stiff, it's internal, right? <laughs> once you turn 40. So the first time I went to the doctor after I turned 40... The the doctor he he you know he checked everything out and then he, he he looked at me and he said so is there is there anything else that I can help you with anything that may be not working like it used to and I was I was like really so this is what, what this is that conversation this is the conversation that happens when you turn forty and you go to the doctor. So. So that I mean, like I would imagine your mechanic probably asks you those same kinds of questions. It's just not in age wise. It's kind of like, hey, Russ, it's another weekend. Is there anything not working the way you expect it to? Right. Next yeah. time he asks that, you're going to think about Viagra, though. Unfortunately, so we apologize yeah. and say thank you at the same time. Uh, yeah. So Charles will help me with my preload and compression <laughs> and rebound clickers. Right. Well, right. I'm, I'm letting him know it's coming too. Right. <laughs> Sure, he's got some stiffer springs in that van as well. <laughs> we can get there. His internal, it's all internal, bro. Oh, okay. Sorry. The internal is where the stiffness is at. Got it. Got it. It's where it sets it up. It's all him. about flow. Yeah. Right. We could really. Stiction. important. Stiction's important. You don't there want to cavitate go. too soon. Right. Got it. <laughs> we got a little off track there. <laughs> I love it. So, um, I, I didn't see your name on the ISDE teams. Is that... Just, yeah, you not, would have been not, awesome for Slovakia. I mean, this is going to be your kind of terrain. Do you know um, if you're going to be on that that Wellard Club team that we've been seeing a lot of the kind of the pros on? Honestly, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I knew I was a candidate for the trophy team this year, and I was, uh, you know, hoping to go for the team and everything, and looking forward to, you know, try and do my best. And but, uh, you know, just the way the cards kind of fell. Uh, you know, not on the team this year, and that's that's okay. It's uh, you know, I, I want you USA to do the best they can, and uh, you know, Auntie along with the other guys that kind of chose the team, pick the riders that they thought would do the best over there, and you know, that's that's all right with me. So, uh, so so you yeah. did six days in Slovakia in the uh, last time they were there. I was there in two thousand five, and. Uh, I got a silver there, so I that was my second six days ever. Um, so I was still in the kind of learning curves there. Yeah. I remember it was uh, one of the tougher races I had definitely ever done at the time. I remember trying to stay on time just in the transfer sections, and uh, it was some gnarly logging road transfers especially uh and if you ever go back and look at any coverage day five was when the bottom fell out and it was just a mud fest and some of the greasiest slimiest hills i've ever ridden still to date and i mean there were people getting stuck on the cross tests that were on muddy hillsides just because there was no traction you look for any kind of blade of grass there was out there but um so i'll be interested to uh to follow this year's six days for sure and whether or not i'll be there i'm not sure yet i haven't heard anything or uh you know considered really the um the weller team um so uh that's still i guess up in the air i'm not sure but 
um, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. Russ would be a great, great candidate for every time I've raced in Eastern Europe at six days. It's a six days has a whole different flavor in Eastern Europe. Oh, I bet. In, yeah. in 2002, when I raced the Czech Republic, it uh, it was exactly like what he just described. Slovakia was like it rained. Uh, it would rain all day every day. And it was uh, it was at a ski resort, and so you're going up and down the mountains, steep in mountains. the slime all day, and uh, it, it just I never I'd never seen so many bikes drop out of the race, and people just burning up bikes left and right, and you, you couldn't even ride in a straight line, mm. and uh, th- those that Eastern Europe mentality, they just they they just they're old school, and they wanna. Dudes, huh? They want to put a hurting on people, and they want people to feel like they earn something when they get to the finish line every day. Uh, well, um, as we kind of start to wrap it up a little bit for you so you can get back to your real life, uh, 2016 bikes, have you had a chance to ride any of them? Nope. Nope. Sure haven't. Okay. Well, that's, that's <laughs> no big deal. Bikes on bikes. Is there anything else in the works for 2015 for you guys to do another bikes on bikes? And if so, is there any way that peons like myself – could uh could snake their snake themselves a spot um yes there is a version 3.0 coming and i mean you know i don't think yourself really you know just judging by your mustache and everything i just don't <laughs> think it's a facial hair thing now isn't it? yeah <laughs> you, you guys I don't mean, want y'all don't want to carry him all that way anyway really mm. Just he could honest. be the camel. <laughs> he, could, he could carry the stuff, some extra stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm okay with no. being the camel. I mean, we pretty keep it. We keep it pretty tight net. Uh, no, I know, I know. We had uh, Lafferty join us, and uh, that was a, a good experience. But um, generally, me, Colker, Patrick, Chris Fillmore, and Nick Ferringer are the ones that kind of just really got this thing going and uh we love it it's probably something we'll do for the rest of our lives and uh we're gonna hopefully do it this year again in colorado springs around the time of the adventure tour for a ktm so right on uh, we're gonna yeah actually press the butte sorry about that but um we're gonna make some more plans here coming up soon cole's getting married and uh we're gonna kind of have a kind of bike party out in Colorado to celebrate that and uh, talk about some ridiculous plans while we're doing that. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, um, I've got some stuff that I need to tell you about as well at Crested Butte, but because of the fact that we don't talk about it on the show, we're not going to talk about it on the show. So I'm going to talk to you about it after the show. And this is me reminding you to remind me because I'll probably forget to tell you. So Got it. There's always that. Um, well, dude... Really appreciate you coming on the show. Sorry that it's been so long. I know we tried a couple times. It just never really worked out. You have Obviously, you're the professional here. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. So we definitely appreciate you coming back on. Sorry for keeping you on a little bit longer than normal. But you've always got great stuff to say. And I'm glad that Brian was able to be on and talk with you because you guys experienced so much together with the ISDE. You guys have now kind of done a lot of the full gas stuff. You've hit that up. And I feel like with this being a qualifier, that those kind of the ISDE and this East Coast qualifier full gas thing kind of go hand in hand. And that's one of the things that Brian and I are going to kind of talk about as we kind of uh, kind of move on to the rest of the show. But just thanks a bunch, dude. We really appreciate you uh, jumping on the show with us. 
Yeah, thanks a lot, dude. I appreciate you having me back, and uh, it's always a good time. Bikes on Bikes 3.0. Just throw my name in the hat anytime. Alright. You guys need yeah. a little you guys need a bitch, I'm in. Just make fun of me the whole time. It's whatever. Alright, we don't we don't allow trikes, dude. I'm Damn it! <laughs> can I can I what about a unicycle? No, those are not good. <laughs> Yeah, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> I like it. Alright, man, well, you take it easy. Thanks again. Alright guys. Later, dude. Take care, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the things that's that's a big point of this is that this was the East Coast qualifier for the ISDE team for a lot of the club teams. Obviously, we know that the, the 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 trophy team and the junior trophy team are picked. To Russ's point, we don't know much about the Weller club team, but the other club teams are there. So what did you, as a rider who has qualified for many ISDEs and been and competed, think about this as a qualifier? I thought it was a great uh, format for qualifying riders for six days. Okay. Um, obviously if, if a guy's never been to six days before, you'd love for him to be able to do an event that has the, the impound and, and has the transfers and has the, the, the whole show. Um, but the, the reality is, is none of that stuff is really that tricky to figure out. The most important thing at six days is pure raw speed. It really is. That's determinability. You know, who personally does well and what countries do well, what teams Ryan do well. Sipes. And it's all about pure speed. Um, you know, the, the first six days I went to was in the early 90s, and, and uh, it, it, it was shocking to me, the speed that those guys had. And, and you see it now still. Um, it's just it's amazing the, the, the level of intensity and level of speed these guys are at. Um, but the, the sprint enduro was just a great way to qualify people because there were no other mistakes you could make. The only, the only scores there were, were tests on the clock, you know, and that didn't lie. I mean, unless somebody had a bike problem or right. something odd, it was all about pure speed and there, you had to have speed on the cross test and you had to have speed on the enduro test. Um, and when you look at the guys who qualified this weekend, um, they take, uh, you know, two people out of class one, two out of class two, two out of class three, um, which are all engine size classes. Right. And then they take one senior, uh, plus 40, and they take one woman. Okay. So they take eight people out of the East Coast qualifier and they take eight people out of the West Coast qualifier. Well, the eight people that qualified this weekend, um, you know, the guys that, that qualified out of class one, two, and three, I mean, they're all fast. I mean, they, a bunch of missiles qualified. Awesome. They really did. And and uh, and sometimes they're guys that you necessarily, if you live in Texas, um, you may not have heard of of you know this individual who may not be concerned with necessarily running and racing on the national scene, but he's concerned about racing in his local circuit, enjoying racing the right way with his friends. And then wants to go represent his country. And right. uh, a perfect example is is uh, there's two cousins from uh, I believe Connecticut, uh, Ben and John Kelly, and these two guys are absolutely on rails. And when they reorganized this weekend after the first two tests and reorganized by overall results, Ben Kelly I believe was starting fifth. So he literally got moved up. 
in front of most of the pro riders. This wow. this guy is is so quick, and his cousin John was just a few riders behind him as well. That's insane. And that and that's the kind of speed. And these guys are are literally like I said, he's getting moved in front of guys that you read about every week that are finishing you know towards the front at the at the GNCCs and, and national enduros. Right. Um, there's that kind of sprinter speed that's showing up for these things. And, and, uh, you know, looking at the, the collection of talent that there was there this weekend, being a qualifier and a sprint enduro, um, I, I was mentioning it to you before the show started, there was a, there were a lot of motorcycles there with number one and number two, um, number plate backgrounds on their bikes. <laughs> and so there were a lot of national guys and you knew who they were and they had their national number plates on. But then there were just a bunch of guys that had ones and twos on their bikes. Well, those ones and twos, that means that, that homie's the, the champ somewhere. You know, right. he may be the champ in Tennessee or maybe the champ in West Virginia or the champ in, in Connecticut or whatever. But, but, uh, just the collection of, of guys that, that showed up. Um, you know, these guys weren't just running ones and twos on their bikes because they had a big head. They were running those because they earned those in some circuit somewhere. And when you bring that collection of people together, man, there's some, some serious speed and, and there was a whole bunch of it this weekend. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. Um, is it, is it something that should be, now I, I've ridden the qualifier in Idaho, had a shit ton of fun. Those are some awesome, awesome trails. Absolutely amazing. Beat the shit out of me. It was a great time. Anybody who hasn't, definitely go out there and ride that event. But is it something to pay attention to to see how riders that qualify on the East Coast versus how riders qualify on the West Coast do at six days? Because qualifying, uh, and I've never qualified. I could say that I've done one qualifier and I've never qualified. But there has been some discussion over how well the qualifiers work. Um, so, and you've, like I said, you've qualified a bunch, you've done this a bunch, so. I've seen, I've been going to qualifiers since the early 90s on and off. There were, you know, five-year periods where I didn't go um, for, for, you know, family or business or whatever. But but on and off for, for many years, I've been going to qualifiers. And I've been to a lot of really good qualifiers where I felt like we were really qualifying the right people. And then I've been to a lot of qualifiers that, that even though there was a lot of hard work put into, I felt like we're not going to qualify the right people. And uh, the, the thing that we just have to, the people who are putting on the qualifiers here need to realize is that six days nowadays, there's no surprise checkpoints. There's no, they're not trying to make you late to a check, okay? Now, they may have a tight check where there's some technical stuff and you screw up, you might end up being late, but they're not trying to surprise you in any way like an old school enduro. Um, it's all about making it through and they might have really difficult hills and creeks and whatnot. I mean, they may have double A only terrain getting to a checkpoint, but they're going to give you enough time where if you don't screw up, you should make it there on time to be able to get gas and get a drink without being late to the check. Um, and when you go to a qualifier, uh, here in the U S where uh, just recently in the last few years, I went to a qualifier where I showed up at the first check. 20 minutes early, went the same speed, got to the second check 20 minutes early. Third check, went the same speed, I showed up three minutes late. Um, and that's, that, that's ridiculous. And uh, because those three minutes get added to all your test times. And if, if somebody had some inside local information, or if somebody just had a higher trail pace and only dropped one point or didn't drop any points, he, uh, he might have been slower by 10 seconds in every test 
but he'll still beat um, you know the other guy that should have been on the team because he didn't lose as many route points. Right. And that's not realistic to what six days is these days. Okay. Uh, six days is about having that pure raw speed in the enduro and cross tests. Um, and you still have to have good technical ability. You still have to be able to get through all the gnarly stuff. But there's no surprises in six days. You know, six days is straightforward. It's, it's you know, you've got to get through this, 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 and this. But then six times a day, you've got to you set your hair on fire and rip your fingernails out and, and ride like an absolute madman and because you're getting time to the thousandths of the second. And uh, you'll go through a test and think you blew up every berm and hit it, it, it the best you could do it. And you'll look at the overall results at the end of the day. And there might be four other people that finished on the same second as you. And, you know, and some of the, the superheroes might have beat you by 30 seconds or, or more through that test, even though you thought you killed it. So um, it's all about speed. And, and when we have qualifiers, that's what we need to focus on these days. Right on. So we were talking about, or you were talking about Ben and John, the cousins. Yes. Apparently they are their uh, Northeast guys. Yes, they are. And they're Rippas because they're, or they may be in other series as well, but one of the guys in the chat room is, so they do run the J-Day series. They do, so. okay. Yeah, they they were on the Six Days team with me last year. That was year, a lot about the, speed, though, I mean, because we, we've seen that with the J-Day oh, guys, yeah. how like, they are. That was the first time I met them last year, super nice dudes, um, and uh, really enjoyed hanging out with them in Argentina. And uh, but I have seen the the two of those boys lay down some some serious speed, especially when it comes to short sprints like that. Really, really impressive stuff. And there there's a uh, I mean there's a laundry list of of guys like that. I mean there there uh, I, I see guys every year I've gone that someone that I haven't heard of previously is suddenly comes out and it's like a, a you know a rocket fired out of them. They're going so fast. Um, so there's an impressive amount of talent all I over think this Brian country. Brian Pierce comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, Brian Woo! Pierce, you know. That guy. I don't know how you haven't qualified. It's it's amazing. But uh, but no, there's there's a, a lot of really fast guys around the country, and you get to, to meet and, and see a lot of this talent when you go to a qualifier. And, and the U.S. team, um, you know, the last few years, even though we haven't won the world trophy, if you look at – the number of people on the U.S. team and where we all finish. Uh, the U.S. team the last several years has pretty easily been the strongest team in the world as far as our total team yeah. talent. Um, you know, even our slowest rider will still be in the top, you know, third of it's all the like people either, racing. Either one shitty day for one too many riders, like a mechanical or an, a stupid wreck or whatever, or, you know, like last year with Zach Osborne, you know, yeah, I being, mean, we being out after the first day. Last year, we we had a uh, you know there were mechanicals across the the board and but uh, but trophy team we've had some <laughs> the dust. Tra- yeah what do they tra- call it the sh- yeah they last, called it something yeah we had we had some difficulties last year and, and losing Zach Osborne on the first day um, obviously is a, a major detriment and, uh, and and I'm not saying that uh, you know that that the top uh, teams that have won like France the last few years. I mean, when you're talking about just six guys, they have six guys that are unbelievably fast. But when you look at their whole 30-rider team, you know, once you get out of that top, you know, six, eight, ten guys from France, then they drop off much harder than the U.S. team drops off. We we have a much more balanced team from top to bottom uh, than, than any other country in the world. Internal stiffness. 
There you go. So, and there you go. And we're going to win the trophy team soon. We, we're going we to win have soon. To. I mean, it's just, Plain and simple, the guys running the team um, from the guys at AMA tell that's their goal. To, One, the, to the guys at KTM, uh, Robert Pierce and, and Ante and, and uh, Chuck at, K, at, at AMA, um, we're, we're putting together solid teams. Um, there's a lot of prestige in being on the six days team these days. Um, and I've seen that go up and down over the years, um, how bad people wanted to be on the team. And, and, uh, anyway, we're, we are very fast, very prepared, and, uh, we are going to win the trophy, uh, the world trophy sometime soon. Nice. So to finish it up, we'll talk about ISDE best after party ever at the ISDE that you've been to obviously what what was it you don't have to tell us specifics but what was it and maybe a couple details of what could have made it so amazing wow there's a couple good after parties a couple couple of good ones and uh you know there's a few i don't remember a whole lot of uh <laughs> So, yeah, they're they're typically uh, there's typically two events going on at six days. <laughs> there's the six days of racing, yeah. and then there's six days of partying. Yep. Um, yep, yep. For any of you people uh, watching and listening, uh, if you want to talk about an epic vacation for people that are motorcycle enthusiasts, yeah. um, <laughs> buy the AMA package and go to six days with the team. Um, stay in the same hotel, stay in a different hotel, but there is typically a pretty impressive beer tent, uh, at the pits and there is uh, a party going on on a regular basis. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. We would, when, in Germany in 2012 <laughs> with Jason Hooper and myself, it was Jason Hooper and I's first, uh, six days. And I, I think we, we got to every test and there was like, there's a beer tent there. There's a beer tent. We were like, oh my god! So we just beer, had to beer buy tents beer and air horns. Every beer everyone. tents, air horns, yeah. and flags. It was so stinking exciting. I was like, this is what racing is supposed to be like. I was like, why can't we have more shit like this? Uh, it's but. it's an awesome experience. It is a great vacation. Um, I would have no problem if I, uh, you know, if I wasn't on the team one year, still going just to be a part of the event. What sucks is this is the year awesome to go. Countries. Slovakia would be, I think, would be epic. Germany was great. So I can only imagine another Eastern European kind of country like that would still be just, oh, there's like, partiers, no goof guy, like, oh. just crazy, like, yeah, the terrain would be epic to watch, oh. like. It's it's going to be epic this year. There'll be, there'll be places to watch and spectate. Um, where I guarantee it will just be almost humanly impossible to get your motorcycle through. And they'll probably have guys out there with 20-foot-long hooks pulling you up and through things, because, and you just get as far as you can, and then they pull you through the rest of the way. And there'll be a 1,000 drunk people there blaring their air horns, screaming and, and yelling at you with, with a beer in the other yeah. hand while you're I doing love it. the. Uh, I have a picture of the guys on the Seat Time site from when I went in 2012. There were some dudes that had a chainsaw with the... The blade gone, you know, oh, so yeah. it was just the just the motor. Uh -huh. Oh man, they were just drinking beer in one hand and chainsaw in the other, just Yeah, I've seen that a couple of times. I was so. like, Yes, those are but my yeah. boys. But good just good could talk to them because German. Absolutely. Yeah, well you're Who does that? Right. Well all you have to say is beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, but a quality experience. If any of y'all ever need a, a suggestion for a good uh and it works too with the wives. He's gonna be like, "Hey, honey, gonna take you to Europe." <laughs> ding 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 ding! <laughs> Winning. 
we are going to swing by this motorcycle race for a couple of days. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think you might be still better going to Europe. You might be selling it better than I think most of us can. Right. You know. Well, gotta, see, what I did is I went and rode my dirt bike for seven days on the Baja Peninsula, and we ended in Cabo, and I flew my wife to Cabo. So she was okay being alone with three kids in this house for seven days because I flew her to Cabo for four days. That's the same thing we did. We we flew the wives down for the last three days we were there. So that's good, good work. That's that's how it's done. Yeah, we're smarter than we look. Right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the way it goes down. All right. Cool. Well, this has been episode one sixty five. Uh, we, we I wanted to keep it kind of regimented, if you will, on guests, because I thought that there was a lot of information, just on the same with the ISDE kind of stuff that's been going on. We've been talking about the full gas sprint endurance for a long time. You having all the knowledge now of going to ISDE so many times, of course, now being able to go to a full gas sprint endurance, which is also the qualifier. And another ISDE. Because you qualified. Because I qualified. Yeah. So did you, like, I mean, does that mean you're in? I'm in. I got a guaranteed spot. I got one of the guaranteed spots. Well, congratulations. So that's what I'm talking about. E4, two years in a row. Yep, my twelfth time. How how long are you gonna try to go like on the senior team? I don't know. Seems like I say every year is my last one, but it never is. So uh, we'll we'll see. You All know, right. as long as as long as I uh, when I when I officially am qualifying for the senior team in in four years, would that be it for you? Five now, years. If if you, I I wouldn't want to take your spot. I I would have to. I'd probably have to like, step away. He's in fifth, and I won, but let's just let Pierce go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll still never happen. There's no way I could ever get my act together enough to, to ride enough to uh, up the ante, so. Never Shit know. happens when you party naked. Never know. All about effort, baby. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. And some talent. Oh goodness, so I can see that people are now putting babies to sleep. The wives are home. It's getting crazy over here. So thank you very much for tuning in to Seat Time. This has been episode 165. We did have Russell Bobbitt on a little bit earlier. This is Brian Story. He does own Adventure Moto here in McKinney, Texas. You can find out more about that at AdventureMotoKTM.com. AdventureMotoKTM.com for all your KTM and Husqvarna needs you might have needs of the needs yeah. and of course we are brought to you by fly racing of uh, <laughs> now i'm screwing it up we're brought to you by fly racing you can find out more about those guys at flyracing.com they did just release their kinetic mesh line for the summer so got some sexy us, new colors for summer. oh they yeah got some bright, bright some that like, you want to wear and, and some green that green and orange we're going to be questionable we'll just wear it anyway yeah i think everybody should wear them all they're pretty all right. sexy i'm in yeah. you know me I, i'm louder and the brighter it is is probably the faster i'm going to put it on so, or take it off. Hey. No? All right. We'll keep it on. So, of course, Kinda Tire USA. You can find out more about those guys at kindatire.com. Um, cool to see them stepping up and sponsoring more big events like the Full Gas Sprint Enduro. They are the title sponsor there. Full so. Gas Rocks. I was impressed. Everybody go try it. And uh, Stillwell Performance, stillwellperformance.com. Obviously, I will have big reviews on the Seat Time website. We'll probably try to do some video work as well. Uh, once I do get to finally ride the bike, we've got that in there. But Alan Stillwell, super great guy, great guy to work with. Like I said, kindatire.com. You can check out their comparison chart and figure out which one of those tires that they have will work best for you. They do have a plethora 
putting a lot more effort into the off-road side of things. So I think that's a good chance for all you guys out there riding in the off-road scene. Stillaperformance.com. As I say, go on there, fill out their their contact details form, tell them what you're trying to learn more about, what you think you might need to try to do to to get your bike to perform better in the type of riding that you're doing. And I know that they're going to be able to to steer you in the correct direction. So we really appreciate them supporting us. So please go support them for supporting the sport. And seat time. We are on the Facebooks. We are on Twitters. We are on the Instagrams. We're on all of those fun social features where you can find us. You can tweet us real hard. You can friend us. You can like us. You can do whatever you want. Just, uh, I guess because unless it's Twitter, you have to keep your clothes on. After that, yeah. do what you got to do. That's whatever what it happens. Is. Yeah, I know. Episode 165. Thank you for coming in, Brian. Appreciate it. Let's go have another one more shitty margarita and call it a night. So thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Peace.